right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway. I'm here with my two co-hosts today. We have Kenny, of course, and then we also have Anthony. Uh, Anthony's been on the podcast several times. He doesn't really need an introduction, but for those who don't know, he's actually worked on Stranger Things. He was here for the episode one of season four, and he's here for the return of the last two, volume two. So we can just jump right in. Um, This was the last two episodes, but it was four hours long. And so it actually felt more like four episodes of a normal show, I would say, if you break it down by just hours. And the two episodes are very different. I think the the first one where the main thing that was happening was like the whole struggle between Papa and Eleven, right? Like that was the thing they focused on a lot, as well as I feel like trying to set up for people dying. I remember in the beginning of episode one of volume two, uh, Hopper and Joyce make dinner plans, which just to me spelled disaster. As soon as you start talking like that in any kind of show like this where people die, I got nervous. They had a kiss. It was very heartfelt. Finally see this, this romance uh, blossom between the two, but they made plans for the future. And then Steve started talking about how many kids he wanted to have with Nancy, not literally with Nancy, but to Nancy, he was talking about how he wanted to have a ton of kids. And well, I got, later on, he reveals literally with Nancy. Yes. But. <laughs> At the moment. Yes. He, he tried to, you know, make it seem like it's some random, you know, I just want to have this for the future. But yes, he obviously loves Nancy, wants to be with Nancy again. And he's. I mean, like, I get it. I love. I love Nancy. Who doesn't? Okay. Nancy's awesome. Yeah, you know? like she's one of my favorite characters. She's probably my favorite character in the show. So I, I, re- I get it, Steve. I really like Nancy. But yeah, so Steve starts making plans for the future. So I started marking my little notepad of like, oh god, all of these characters are now marked for death at this point. <laughs> and then I think Lucas and Max also made plans for a date because she said she's going to yeah. hide out in her happy memories. A movie date, man. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Okay. So I was like, okay, so let's mark these two for death as well. So I'm just going down my notes and just marking down everyone for death as I'm watching the show because everyone who makes these future plans, you know how these things go. They tend to not work out. But as fate would have it, there wasn't as much death. Like we're going to be jumping around here. I, like we're not going to go in chronological order. This isn't a full review of these two episodes in chronological order or anything. We're just going to talk about it. But I thought that there was going to be a lot more death. I want to say, uh, and it just it there was there just wasn't. There just was not a whole lot of death. Certain people died. Pretty sure you're you're crazy though. There was enough death, honestly. So um, I cried. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I actually physically wept. And you guys can call me whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. I am so emotional when I watch certain shows. Uh, it, for me, it was Eddie Munson. Not, Max was sad what happened to her, but like Eddie Munson, man, that shit. They do this every season, right? This is a Stranger Things formula. Stranger Things introduces a new character. Every, every season, there's a new character introduced. And then at some point in the season, that character gets body and killed. Why couldn't they kill Argyle? Argyle could have died, but I think the is Argyle didn't matter. I know, I know that's I like, but that's what people would say, like, oh, they should have killed Argyle. But realistically, you're making a show that needs to evoke emotion and feelings from you, and that's why, like, they did a really good job with Eddie. Well, I wanted to ask what part. So I didn't, I never like full on weeped. Yeah, but there was a part where I got choked up. Wept, but it wasn't yes. when Eddie died specifically. It was when Dustin was talking to his uncle, I got choked up a little bit. But that was the part. So, okay, I'll explain to you exactly what happened to me. So Eddie has this bad-ass guitar solo moment. Yeah, that shit is hype. Ooh, that Metallica? Yes, Master of Puppets. It was cinematically one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Literally, that scene, I'm just going to say, is probably top 25 cinematic things I've ever seen in my entire existence. I loved it. And 
I, I have a lot of good things in my top 25, but that for me, the way it looked, the background, when it was panning around him, the bats, the thunder. It was metal as fuck. It was metal, was as, metal fuck, as fuck. And he looked he badass as fuck. It was cool as shit. Honestly, like if you didn't like that, then you probably just don't like nice things. I Look, I, I enjoyed that so much. That that scene is what everyone that picks a bard in D and D that's what that's what they want to do. Yes, when the, when they pick the bard, that's what they're imagining they're going to get to do at some point. I imagine we could take it even further than that. I think every human being who picks up a guitar right and thinks that they're about to play anything thinks that they look as cool as Eddie Munson did in that scene. That shit was fire. <laughs> that was straight fire. So I just want to give him his flowers now. Uh, Eddie Munson is fucking awesome. I didn't. The weird thing is, I didn't like him. When he was first introduced, like episode one of season four, when he was first introduced and he jumped up on top of the table, I said, this guy is going to annoy the fuck out of me. He's going to be this super extroverted, like crazy energy person. And he just wasn't that in the end. Like he he has his moments. But at the end of the day, I kind of understood him. And he's kind of like that cowardly character and everything. So to my point of what did it for me after he has the guitar solo and he realizes that he needs to stay in the upside down and give them more time. Yeah. sacrificing himself the part where he was dying and he said this is finally my year bro yeah, yeah, yeah. when he said i didn't run this time i started yeah. crying so fucking hard when this yeah. man said i didn't run this time for some reason that because everyone nah, saw him was, as a coward it was emotional it was definitely emotional like it was it was a big moment. Like that moment, like i was i was fully invested at that me moment too dustin the- and him have a great bromance too yeah, that that part had me fully invested, and then like, but I hadn't choked up yet, but it was I was still all the way in. But when afterwards, when like, they're you know the whole town's talking shit about him, and then like his missing poster has like devil horns on it, and his uncle comes and replaces it, and then when Dustin walks up and like has to deliver the news, and like Dustin has to talk to him and basically yeah, tell him how great he like, is. Yeah, that part is what fucking like when Dustin was talking to his uncle, and then the uncle had to like turn away from Dustin as he's talking. Like, that's the part that really got me. That part was sad, too. But th- I don't know. There's something about seeing him dying and saying this is... Because f- we know he didn't graduate for several years. He's been held yeah, back yeah. a couple times. And that's how he's introduced to us. And he's also... Like, again, I throw around the word coward because that's kind of what they portray. Like, that's what his character was written to be. But in that last moment, he was the most heroic. And... Just seeing a character develop so much in a few episodes, even though these episodes are long as hell. Throughout this season, honestly, this is almost two seasons worth of content for any other show. Like, for any other show, this is a lot of content. These episodes are so long. So I felt like we got to know Eddie longer than we would normally see any other character in one season. For example, let's think about uh, Oberyn Martell from Game of Thrones. He's introduced in, I think, season four, and he's dead at the end of season four. Yeah. Like, he's introduced... Also, uh, like the formula, because you know, like it's a formula. Like, yeah, you know, they introduce Barb, Barbara dies. Then they introduce Bob, Bob dies. Yep. And then they introduce uh, uh, what was what was his name? Billy? The Russian guy? No, no. Also, oh, also dies. Uh, oh, I didn't care about Billy because he was racist. Um, <laughs> what, what was the Russian guy's name? Um, Anton, I think his name yeah, was. They introduce like him, and then he dies, and you're like, oh man, that's a. But like the difference with all of those characters, and like with with uh with eddie is that like eddie was actually a part of the main group yes he felt like, like he was actually a part of, of the main party and he was like contributing like actively to like 
what was going on as opposed to kind of just being there. And he was the leader yeah. of the Hellfire Club, which was cool as shit. So like when when he like him dying was like it did feel like a main character was dying, not like like as much as I have a, a crush on Sean Astin, you know, like and and him dying made me upset. <laughs> like him yeah who the fuck is sean astin sean Astin played bob what are you, do you guys not know actors no, i don't, I don't know no, actors name no, the answer is no sean astin who played bob in season two okay when he died he i was upset because it's gone it was sean astin but you know like i was like oh it sucked you know whereas like when eddie died i, I did cry i mean there were multiple moments oh you that actually got cried. up on that part too I, Dude, this thing had me balling like multiple times. You know what's crazy is that like Stranger Things isn't Stranger Things has never been one of those shows that like when it tries to go for the emotional moments, it never like hits me. It right? never and does, us- Anthony. Ever. And usually, usually like it's only like a, a very small handful of shows or movies or whatever that make me do that. And uh um Stranger like Strang- Stranger Things, Stranger Things was never one of them, but like this had me like crying like I was watching One Piece. Yeah, even which is crazy. I wasn't expecting that. We said this in the last episode, right? All three of us really like season one. Um, I don't want to speak for it, but I specifically, although found them fun in quotes, I don't think season two and three are that good. So there's never been, even in season one, as good as I think that is, I think is an amazing show. Season one, it's not an emotional show. Yeah, not so. Really. It is. It is surprising when it kind of takes you off guard. At least took me off guard when you get to the end of season four and you're like. You actually are feeling emotional for some of the characters. Like, holy shit. Well, remember, Kenny, when I told you, because you were like, oh, I don't like season two. After I was like, I don't like season three, right? And I yeah, was I like, well, yeah. I was like, I remember that before season three came out, I was like, if season three had like led to expanding the world and expanding the lore and just expanding the show in general, then I think the season two would have been worth it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But then like season three was the opposite and I hated it pretty much. Yeah. This season ended up making season three and season two worth it because like, like, like the, like the, the, the Lord wasn't really expanded in season three and like the plot was just kind of so, so or whatever. But like, honestly, those memories that 11 and, uh, and Max had of like their friendship, like, and like those crucial points that like. And you know the part the part that really made me cry is is I mean Max dying was already uh, that was kind of traumatic. That was uh, but, traumatic. I did not see but that when, coming. Yo, when eleven the when Max eleven part, just real quick the Max I didn't cry at that part at all but not because like I didn't care I was like in shock when I saw her arm crack back I was like holy shit when like, she I started dying I I could I not believe could it was happening not fucking believe it was yeah. actually happening and so it like. Was... I was super like into it, but like not in a an emotional like I, I I was like in shock basically. I was like I cannot fucking believe what's happening. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to that, but because I have a lot to say about that. But the part that probably made me cry the most was when when they were sitting there and Lucas is sobbing and like Max is already dead and like Eleven comes up and she's like, "No, you're not going." That I don't know why, but that like moment really just oh, kind of hit me. Eleven because because I know that if I were her and I had those powers and one of my one of my friends just like died like that, I, I would do the same thing. I know a lot of people said like it felt like it was cheap or whatever, and I'm like, but like these are like telekinetic, telepathic people that have like power over the mind. Like yeah, absolutely, fantasy, if you sure. have that much power, like First you're gonna all, be like, nah, okay. you're not dying. First of all, we've and, accepted that Eleven lifted a ten thousand pound Nina. 
off the ground in the same fashion that Luke Skywalker lifted his entire fucking X-Wing ship out of a swamp, right? So Which like I'm sure it was heavier. Yeah, way so. heavier. But 10,000 pounds, regardless, is insane. This little girl is lifting a 10,000... If you accept that that's happening, you have to accept a lot more of the fantasy things. I mean, there's a fucking new... Uh, there's a different dimension also, where monsters are quick, coming out of it. She wasn't even, in quotes, dead. That Like, she was just a yeah, lot. She was, yeah, she was not dead. But yeah, she wasn't she wasn't actually dead all the way. She just was, you know, in a phase of dying. And it was a very emotional moment because you're watching this character. This is the same thing that made me choked up in Infinity War when Spider-Man started to die. When these yeah. little kids say specifically out of their mouths, I don't want to die. I don't want to go. Something about that when it's children really, really fucks me up. And that's why yeah. the season started off with that disclaimer episode one about the school shooting that recently happened and all of those children were killed that is it's, it's triggering it's triggering to hear a kid beg for their life because it's not something that it's not something that we're ever supposed to hear or see ever i think every like no human being should ever hear or see a child begging for their life like that so when spider-man did it in infinity war and when max was doing it like in, in lucas's arms it really got to me because there was a part where they tried to make it seem like she wanted to die. And she even kind of confessed to that type of thing, like suicidal thoughts. They allude to it a lot. And that's triggering too. a lot of people go through mental health issues and then also survivor's guilt because her brother died. And I, I can't completely relate to the survivor's guilt part because I, I don't know what that feels like, but I can relate to the feeling of just losing someone that you really love and then feeling bad about just going on and you have to get past that. So her trying to get past that and then getting to the moment where She's actually about to be theoretically reunited with him or die as well. And to beg to not die, that shit just, it did it for me. That was sad. Yeah, that whole moment was very, um, honestly, it was kind of, I don't want to use the word cruel, but it felt, it felt cruel. Okay. Like something, something about like the moment and like, not that it was bad because it felt cruel, but it was just like really like heavy because like she had already been like she and us as the audience already been through that. She escaped it. And you were like, OK, cool. She's safe. Yep. Right. Like, you were like, she's safe because like it was almost at the threshold, but like it didn't happen. And as far as like formula, like storytelling goes, you're like, that means she's safe. You it's almost what? like it's almost like, you know, you like you, you get a you get like a cold and then you get over it and you're like, I got I got like antibodies now. I'm good. But then like it happened for real and like when her limbs started snapping i was just like oh fuck i was like what so, is i want to sh- compare it to uh game of thrones again because i actually the night of the finale i went on facebook and was talking about how the duffer brothers have definitely taken a page out of george R. R. martin's book what you just said is exactly what i was talking about so max had already survived and escaped vecna once and for me that kind of marked her as safe in a way but if you've seen game of thrones you know let's think about a character like Sansa Stark. Sansa was almost sexually assaulted slash raped multiple times in Game of Thrones, yeah. right? There were multiple times. There was a part in the alleyway where two random people in Flea Bottom tried to take it from her. There was another part where the Hound was just in her room and it was this real ominous feeling when she got there and he was just there and he was staring at her and you got that feeling. There was another part where both <laughs> uh, Tyrion, after he married her, they're supposed to bed their wife, which would have been honestly rape because she, one, was a little girl and two, she didn't want it. So, like, no matter how you look at it, I don't even care about the times. That would have just been rape. And then also, Joffrey blatantly said, I'm going to come and see you and do what I want with you, which is also another situation. She escaped all of those. Every one of the ones that I just named, and that's not even all of them, but those are all the situations where this little girl 
was almost actually raped and she escaped it. And then later on in season five, she ends up being basically sold to Ramsey and actually gets raped. And I just couldn't that and that like for me, that was the worst episode of Game of Thrones ever. It's also the worst rated episode yeah. of Game of Thrones in the entire series. Of all episodes of Game of Thrones, the episode where Sansa gets raped is the worst one. And I agree. I don't even watch that episode in my rewatches. It's that bad. Like I get to the point now where I watch everything up into that scene. I just cut it off and go to the next episode. Because it's that triggering for me. But to have a character kind of go through this thing where it's really bad for them, but they get through it. And then to have them turn around in a story later on and have to go through it, if not worse than it would have been the first time, it's really hard to watch. Yeah, and like watching her like sit there and she's like she's blind and the she's eyes, paralyzed yeah. essentially. And she's like, Lucas, I don't want to die. And I felt terrible for Lucas. I was like, ugh. Yeah, that's yeah, a hard was, one. It was all like right before that, Lucas was almost part of a hate crime. Yes. Word. Oh my god. No, he was part of a hate crime. Bro, yeah. he got his ass beat. Lucas got his absolute ass beat. I was so annoyed. Like, Grant, at the end of it all, he won, right? But, like, there was a part of me that was watching it like, yo, this fucking kid, what's, it, what's that kid's name? Jason? I think that kid's name is Jason. Oh. I was so happy to see Jason get ripped apart. Like, that norm- was wild. Normally, when kids <laughs> get killed in shows, I'm like, damn, that's, that sucks. But Joffrey and Jason, fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. <laughs> fuck them kids. Like when Jason got literally ripped apart by the upside down coming into reality, I was happy because he was committing an absolute hate crime, beating Lucas's black ass like that in that room while Max is literally being killed by Vecna. I was like, fuck this. So like, also like that, that that shot wasn't like <laughs> his death was almost like insignificant. Like it wasn't the focus of the shot. It, really it was like a, by the way. <laughs> you know, I love that from an artistic apart. standpoint. Yeah, no, it's clever. It's like clever framing, clever story, storytelling and, and all that. Cause yeah. like, you're like, Oh yeah, well, what, what happened to that guy? Oh, he's dead. But like, that wasn't the focus of the shot. That wasn't like the main, he wasn't the star of that. Shot. Yeah. The, the, the directorial <laughs> aspects of it were amazing to me. I just think that having it be such a, Oh, whatever. This guy just gets this kid just gets shredded and like it just keeps going. No one cries for him. No one even asks for him. There's no posters up for him, I don't think. There really isn't. Like he just kind of goes and he's just gone. And yeah. it's like, all right, cool. I wanted to say to double back a tiny bit when Ant said season two and season three are made. I, I got that feeling in general watching these two episodes. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you started roboting just mm-hmm. now though. Mm-hmm. Um, I got that feeling in general, even with the the russia plot so like these episodes like i found the russia stuff what was happening in russia actually like really interesting and these episodes in a vacuum as much as like i think all three of us didn't really like it in the main part of season four yeah but these last two episodes specifically in addition to making season two and season three um feel more meaningful and impactful they even even though i didn't like them at the time it's like, I guess I'm happy the Russia stuff happened too, because like all the individual stuff that happened in these last two episodes, I enjoyed. Yeah, I... Okay, so something I wanted to say when Anthony was speaking about how it made seasons two and three worth it because of the memories, I wanted to also compare this a lot to Kingdom Hearts, which we, the three of us, we really love. And a mm. lot of the reason why I think Kingdom Hearts is so great, despite it having some questionable storytelling right now, and what part of the reason why it's so great is because of the memory aspect of it, and the way Stranger Things has set up Seasons two and three, which by themselves are not the best seasons of the show by any means. They're really not. But like when you get to season four and they start to use things from those seasons, it makes everything much more significant and it makes it worth it that you've seen it. 
Yeah, because like the the plot and shit wasn't like great in season three, and it was pretty much a rehash of the plot of season two. Yes, but the character work has always been great. Yes, for Stranger Things. So when they and like as much as I like said after season three, well, I was like, if this is going to be the case, I wish that it was just an anthology and that every season it was a new cast and they would just you know like do like continue on like expanding like the world of whatever Stranger Thing is. But they ended up doing something that i wasn't expecting and that taking they took all of that character work and they made it like have a really meaningful impact which is better than if they had done the anthology thing so you know like it's very similar to my thoughts on like infinity war right like a lot of those marvel movies aren't good but they end up being really worth it after you get to you know when you watch infinity War. yeah specifically infinity war makes the other marvel movies worth it and you've you've said that so many times i agree with that i also agree that like yeah, most of Marvel movies just are not good movies. People have been complaining about them. Honestly, every time I see complaints about the Marvel movies at this point, You're I just think, like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, like, where, yeah, where have you yeah, been? They're reg- <laughs> this is a regular thing. The Marvel movies in general, just there's a few good ones. There's a, there's probably five or six good ones. And the rest of them are honestly not that good. But again, when you get to Infinity War slash Endgame, the only reason why Endgame's last 30 minutes are the best thing I've ever seen cinematically in my entire life, like that is the number one thing I've ever seen. The reason why is because of all of the Marvel movies and seeing all of those characters on screen. Every yeah, single character from every dope. single Marvel movie was on screen at one point. And fucking Captain America's holding Thor's hammer and saying Avengers Assemble. It's crazy. That shit is super it's hype. And, you know, crazy. Even the just like season two and three, most of the Marvel movies, even though they're not great, they're still fun. I think. Yes. It's yeah. Like complete throwaways. Like the Mind Flayer being introduced. What that was season three, right? Where we get no, it was season two. Season he got introduced two. in season two, and then he was uh like a fleshy goo creature in season three. Which actually, I said this in the last podcast. Is actually they based that on another D and D monster too. But anyway, yeah, they um, are based because he possesses people like, and then kind of spreads I, it. I, I love that scene in the hospital when uh when Nancy and Jonathan are getting chased by the giant flesh creature. For me, it's it's great because it's one of those moments where I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, because if that were me, it'd be, a, it'd be a big nope. Absolutely the fuck not. I guess I'm just going to jump out of a window. Yeah. But, you know, like, uh, yeah, despite not really liking the season, like, it was stuff like that. that Because, like, when, when you're looking at that, you're like, yo, these kids are, like, being chased. Like, these teenagers are being chased by a giant fleshy monster made out of human flesh and bones that want to kill you yeah that's in wild. an abandoned hospital nah <laughs> hard pass hard like, that pass is for shit me. that nightmares are actually made of so i like a lot of the things stylistically that they did so another note moment right uh this movie this show not movie this show is it draws a lot of comparisons to things that happened in the 80s like carrie and alien obviously mm. it, there's a lot of little easter eggs there and one of the cool things is that when you go to the prom, uh, the, you know, she revisits her happy memory and it's the prom and it, it looks beautiful when she first gets there, but slowly and surely Vecna invades it and turns it into a very negative moment. And there's blood balloons, like the movie, it another eighties movie there's, and then the blood at the prom thing kind of gives you carry vibes. Like this, that's a very carry thing. Blood at the prom. Uh, also the music changing, and it still showing the record of what she was originally listening to, but then the music just changes to the same thing that I forget the guy's name in part one of volume four, but he Victor 
Creel. Victor Creel. It was the Victor Creel record that he had when he uh that escaped. Ella Fitzgerald song. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was Dream a Dream for Me or something like that. Dream a Little Dream. So that starts playing, but it's like a very slowed down, not okay version of it. And then Vecna comes in. A very discordant, yeah. very not okay version very of it. Not okay. Yeah. And the whole scene gets very dark. The flowers on the table start to wilt. I just love all of that. So before the season came out, there was a list of shows that cost the most money to produce. And Stranger Things season four was number one. It said, I think, $30 million an episode or something upwards of that. It might have been more than that, but I, I remember saying per episode of Stranger Things, this is but this is like months before the show came out. Stranger Four season four was going to have thirty million dollar budget per episode, which is insane because just to put it in perspective, Game of Thrones episodes at their peak, at the end, like the last three seasons, were ten million an episode, including Battle of the Bastards. And Battle of the Bastards took them a month to film. Yeah. And so so was- just to put it in perspective of how absurd it is that I couldn't understand. So I'm, the point I'm getting to is that. I didn't understand going into Stranger Things why the budget would be so high for these episodes. I'm like, the actors aren't getting paid like that much. What is it? Yeah, well, Ant's, Ant's about to go renegotiate his contract. <laughs> well, part of, like, it is, <laughs> part of it is, I don't know if you guys seen the funny memes they've been doing with Vecna, the guy who actually plays him, but that's not CG on him. He's not a CG. Like, that's the guy who actually is. That's Henry. Like, Henry is actually in a costume that takes several hours to put him in. And then, of course, they throw CGI on top of it to make it even better but out of costume i mean out of out of like editing and uh post editing everything he actually looks like vecna regardless like if you just saw him that costume's amazing and it's not obviously it's not just that it was things like the prom scene i noticed so just think about how much money it had to cost to have the the gym that they did the prom scene in normal and then to have it go into straight up blood and wilted flowers they changed everything about it like that entire scene got darkened and everything got changed out and i'm thinking like they do this shit a lot every time vecna's around everything has to get all nasty and mucky and he takes like a very regular house and then makes it destroyed and crazy looking so i was thinking oh okay this is where the money's going all of these special effects that they they don't want to cheapen on they actually visual effects yes but also special effects yes a lot of, a lot of visual effects and it, it it's very expensive apparently because <laughs> 30 well, I mean, when you, I mean, Frazier pretty much already explained it. I'm like, why am I here? Right? Like, <laughs> well, this is just, but, honestly, this is just what my guess was. I was looking at the episodes and I started to Eddie, Eddie's uh, guitar solo, right? Look at that scene. The actual graphics on that scene, just the visual of that scene. I was like, this has to cost so much money. Like, just the visuals of that scene looked amazing. So from a developmental side, uh, what I had been told um, is that this show had... Uh, I actually don't know the exact number, but the uh, the show had a lot of vendors. So a uh, vendor is basically like in this in, in a case like this, you know, like I say, like, oh, I worked on Stranger Things. People are like, oh, you work for Netflix. And I'm like, no, I did not work for Netflix. <laughs> My check I work. I work for a studio slash company in which Netflix was a client. Netflix was their client. So like Netflix is the client comes through the Duffer Brothers, who are also a client. And they reach out to a vendor to do the work, to do like the visual effects work. Right. The same way that they reach out through a vendor to like production vendors to do the special effects work on set. Um, and I know a lot of people say, like a lot of people say special effects, visual effects, like what's the difference? 
the way I learned it in school is special effects is done in front of the camera. It's all the stuff done on set. That's special effects. That's, you know, all the, all the makeup artists, all like the prop artists, all the people on set, like all that is special effects. So like like Vecna's, Vecna's in this, costume. in the suit. Yeah. Like his costume and stuff, all the makeup, that's all special effects. Gotcha. So special effects is done in front of the camera. Visual effects is done behind the camera. After all that's been shot, it's done on a computer. It's post work. So that's the difference: special effects, visual effects. But anyway, yeah, um, this this show had a lot of vendors. Like it had a lot of vendors. I kept hearing that um, at the place that I was working. They were like, "Yeah, the show's got like a bunch of vendors," and they had to like they were shuffling through like a bunch of different uh, like dailies and reviews with different people. So the other thing that I was going to say is that Stranger Things does a fantastic job with set design too. There's a lot of different sets now. The Russia storyline takes place in a prison for the most part, but then they do have other parts of the Russia storyline where they're outside in the snow, which I, I assume they had to go somewhere where there's snow. Just in Lithuania, right? I think that's what it kept saying in the credits, the Lithuania uh, unit. <laughs> yeah, so so there was a whole part of the show that was filmed in some cold-ass place that I never want to go to. Uh, then they also had the prisons aspect, and there's a lot going on there too, but gen- even, even sets like, that are only used for a little bit of time. Again, the prom scene that wasn't used very long. They went, she, she showed them to the prom. It was happy. It was nice. And then it turned dark and evil. And then 11 comes in, by the way, 11 is that girl. Like the way she came in when Vecna had Max all strung up and everything. And she was like, if you threaten my friends again, I'm going to kill you again. The way she said, the way she said (laughs) that, (laughs) the way she said that shit and the way she pushed him into a bleacher, like this man went into a bleacher and was he wasn't on screen anymore. There was just a hole where where he went through and then he slowly like gets out of it. But I just thought that the way she came in her her intro into the prom was fucking amazing. Uh, and her line of you know I piggybacked off of oh, a freezer so hard. from a pizza shop. I was like, man, else characters really come a long way. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard when she said that. She said, "I piggybacked from a salt bath in a pizza shop," and the way Max looked and at her, like, what? Was, that shit made me laugh so hard. And the moment was very serious, but when she said that part, I laughed so hard. I was like, yo she sounds like she's on everything like i need her dealing <laughs> asap she sounds crazy so good but yes that but that also scene... uh not good well okay so uh, a character that i actually wasn't expecting to like at all because i infamously despise this character is Uh-oh. mike okay what um yeah i mean i still didn't like him for most of the season but after will gave him that speech and was like you're the heart of this party yeah I think that's what, and you know, that, that moment is probably, is like why people like things like Kingdom Hearts, because as ridiculous as Kingdom Hearts gets, yes, it's got heart and like people appreciate that. And like, at the end of the day, it's just like people fighting for their friends. And that's basically what Will told Mike. He's and like, the you're, they you're, you're the heart, the heart of our say- party. Shout out to, the, I don't remember if I said it on the last episode of the podcast or if I said it on the stream after the podcast. But I said that painting's just going to be like some D and D shit. Shout out to the whole internet saying it's like it's a painting of Will, but fucking Mike. Like <laughs> the whole internet just being like the painting is just Mike giving Will head or like just nonsense. Oh my like, god! Oh like my the god. internet was going wild on what they thought the painting was that is too and much. how gay it was going to be. I mean, they I thought it was, was going to be gay. It was probably going to be something. Something. They thought some it was going to be like. 
like Mike in a fucking nude pose. Like, like the internet me, was too much. Pay me like one of your French girls vibes. No, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't actually know what it was going to be, but like the way they were framing it up, I was like, I don't know. This might be like some like unrequited love letter or so something in some way. Why don't we talk and, about that? Why don't we talk well, about the whole I mean, framing of, of Will's character? Because they really do let us know now. We got confirmation now. I think they pulled it off pretty well, in my opinion. Me wait, 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 wait. Before, before we get started on that, yeah, yeah. though, how is everyone just not coming to this conclusion? I thought that it was pretty obvious in season two that Will was gay. Maybe really? because I'm gay. Yeah. I wasn't like, look, maybe I wasn't looking for because, it. Honestly. Because I'm pretty sure it was like he was having a conversation with Bob, Sean Aston, his character. Yep. And he uh he said something about how he was uh he was like, It's okay if you're different. Or no, it was Jonathan that was having the conversation with him, not oh, Bob. I think yes, I remember that. And he was and Jonathan was saying, It's okay if you're different, you're still my brother. And he had the same conversation with him again in this yes. season, which that also made me cry yeah because well the first time yeah, he, they had but, the conversation when he was a kid i thought it was just because these are fucking weird kids i had conversations about I, being different when i, I was totally there. i totally was like oh will's gay <laughs> I, was I like, just thought, oh, okay i just thought like how like nerds when you're younger and I, I want i don't know how to frame this or say it. i'm just gonna say it the way i way i speak but nerds when you're younger right we're typically bullied and teased and mocked and things like that and so it's really important to have adult figures in your life who tell you it's okay to be the way you are. And I think that when I was originally watching the earlier seasons and I saw those conversations happening with him, I I just assumed that it was that. Also, that's, they, that's how I read it as well. Yeah. Now that they're older though, they're teenagers. And obviously now as teenagers, you know, that's hormones kick in puberty, all that stuff. We, all of us are adults, right? So we've all been through it. Now that they're older, they can explore like these relationships. They're dating now. Like the kids are actually dating they're you know mike and 11 are in a fucking committed relationship for what it is and lucas and max are in a relationship so i was like okay i, I get what they're doing now because this is a part of growing up like you go to prom you had to have a date so it makes more sense now they're introducing the whole concept of his sexuality and really kind of i'm not gonna say shove it in our face it's just kind of a, a part of who he is and like kenny said they do handle it really well because that car scene where he's I, talking I, about himself the car scene, I think, was handled very well. And the way he's talking and the way he has to compose himself and he's like kind of crying while he's talking to Mike and he's keeping composed. And like e even Mike can tell, like Mike's looking at him like, holy shit, this is getting. Emotional. Could, he, could he tell? Then, because the entire time, Mike well, was no, just kind of like know. an idiot. I'm not but, saying I'm not saying whether or not Mike could tell that, like he was saying that he's gay. I, what I'm saying is that Mike could tell that there was like more to what was happening, whether or not, you know, whatever. But Mike, like even Mike, kind of picked up on, like the the situation he was talking about was heavier, like even heavier than it was or whatever. And then when that scene kind of ends and like he looks, he's like looking out the window and he's like keeping himself composed and he's like crying to himself, like looking at. Like I thought that scene was done that, so so. So that well. was another scene that choked me up. Obviously, um, I wasn't. I don't know. Something about that scene really choked me up. I. I agree with you when you say they did that whole aspect well. When he was talking about Mike and Eleven's relationship and how she needs him and all of these things and how he's the heart. Uh, but the whole time you realize that he's actually talking about himself. And there's this sadness to it because he's obviously in love with his best friend. But he understands, I guess he understands that that's just not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like that that is just not in the cars. It's not, it's not going to work out that way. 
So that for me, like there's a certain sadness and obviously the fact that he has a crush on his friend and his friend is with their other friend together. Like they're completely related. His, his stepsister, which makes it even more complicated. Yes. Right? It just, the whole thing is very, yeah, that too. The whole thing is just very weird for him, but also it's the typical teenage, you're coming of age story, especially homosexual where, you know, you like someone, but you, they're not the same sexuality as you. So what are you going to do? Like you pretty much have to be sad. And so he's very sad and he cries about it. And the, that part for me, because Mike didn't even notice it. Like Mike looks the other way. And as soon as Mike looks yeah. the other way, will turns and he puts his hand over his mouth and he's yep. weeping hard. Mind you, who's driving at the time? Is it Jonathan? Jonathan, his brother notices. Jonathan like his brother's- is, yes. He's completely aware of what's like, he's listening to the conversation. And he knows what he's talking about. He knows what Will is alluding yeah. to and everything. He knows that Will's talking about his sexuality and stuff like that. Um, it's just a very, very well done scene, but also extremely sad at the very end when he I just didn't expect the, the crying like that. And when he did yeah. it, it made sense. But the way he like held back from making a sound, to me, that that spoke volumes to me. Like the whole having to hide your emotions, that that just was like so relatable. I fucking it was a it was a very strong scene. And then like Shout out to Jonathan for being a great brother in like, you know, later scenes when he kind of like beats around the bush a little bit to like kind of bring it up and then talk to him and really comfort him. Like, I I think that the stuff with Will was handled really well this season, especially for a character that um, was so integral to the show in season one. But since then, a lot of people feel as though he didn't really get he didn't really get much shine. He doesn't feel like I did my man Will dirty. But I do feel like in these, especially in these last two episodes, I think they did a good job at like, I don't know. I, I think they did a really good job with his scenes. And something that we can talk about later, I don't want to jump into it just yet, but I think season five is going to be Will's season. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious they're setting up. Based, on, based on the ending of this of yeah. this season, yeah, it's, it seems like it. I think like it's it. going to come full circle. I think it's now, it starts with Will and it ends with Will. Here's the question is now they have actually, uh, the Duffer brothers have actually written out uh, a queer character. In Will, that is uh, there's Robin too. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like specifically in in Will, they they've written out a queer character that uh, you know, at first I thought it was kind of like insignificant, and then like I was like, oh, they're gonna do like the unrequited like love for my straight friend, which honestly, like, kind of uh, like uh, props to them for not doing that. And for them kind of broaching the topic, but not having Will go down that road and having the wherewithal to realize that he for himself has to move on. Because like that is a very common like queer trope in for queers and media is like, oh, but I love my straight best friend. And, you know, I always like tell any friend that is in like that has feelings for their straight friend. I'm like, don't do that to yourself. You deserve better than that. Don't do that to yourself. And we've all been there. The teenage um, years are rough. Uh, so, like, props to them for not doing that. So, the real challenge now is going to be: Are they going to have a queer character and not kill him? Because queer characters been, are, it could have been naked, Mike. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been, but it wasn't. And I'm like, good. I'm glad you guys like thought. About, they probably talked to a gay person. The gay person's like, no, nah, don't, don't, uh, don't it do is, that. It would have been like <laughs> just like biting into an apple. That's, that's, that's <laughs> but what the internet. That's what the internet said, thought the fucking. It would have said Adam on it. 
Like Adam the first so, man. Oh god. So so <laughs> now the now the challenge is with season five, are they gonna not kill their queer character? Because I think media, movies, shows, they love to do that though. I, I, but, I hate that. I hate on. I hate when like they have the queer character and then they're like on how he dies. I, I mean, I, I guess I guess written in a way where like if he dies, yeah. I wouldn't be like they killed him because he's gay. Yeah, I wouldn't but feel what that I'm saying, What I'm saying is that I'm just I'm really tired of that trope. I will say I'm really this. tired of it like uh, the queer character has like a very uh a very grounded significance now oh they're dead it's like it's like what they do it's like what they do with revolutionary characters whenever they're like there's a revolutionary character and they're supposed to be bad and then you're like but actually there's some shit that makes sense oh they're dead so every time they do that shit every time so i'll say this it is annoying if the character is black or gay and they are one of very few black or gay characters in a series or show, and then they get killed off because it's like, holy shit, there are tons of white people that you could kill in this show. Why no. the fuck did you have to choose one of the only minority individuals represented in this show to kill? So, and typically, that's like a Hollywood trope with horror movies. You know, the black character always dies. Everyone always knows that, that kind of meme joke. Like the black guy yeah. dies first or whatever. That's that's a widespread known thing. The fact that it's known that well as a stereotype is an issue. And then itself. Ice Cube survived Anaconda, and I was like, yes. No. That's I just want to say, I just want to say, when I was watching this, and I was like, y'all not about to kill Lucas with a gun after everybody else died to magic. I was like, y'all not going to kill everybody with magic and just let Lucas get shot. I was, I was, like, I was like, y'all not going to kill my mans with a gun while everybody else dies to magic. All right, right. fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't kill. First of all, I'm glad that Lucas just did not die. And I hope that Lucas he does is my not. favorite. Lucas is my favorite. Lucas and Dustin are my two favorites. Same. Honestly, same because... I just don't feel like we've gotten enough of Will to root for as a character. Like he just had, he literally was absent season one. Then the seasons that he's back, they kind of don't do much with him. And then now we're finally getting a real storyline for him. So I hope that season five will pan off for it, but I don't think there's enough there for him. And then Mike, Mike plays an idiot. Like you said earlier, Anthony, I just feel like I've never, I've never liked Mike. And it's crazy because Will had to make me like Mike. And I liked Mike in that moment. And then like in reality, Mike saved everyone. Cause you know, if Mike hadn't said what he said to 11, that would have been curtains. Every, everyone would have been done. Mike has a a role to play, but he's not the kind of character that I feel like, like we would not have been, I would not have been friends with Mike. I don't see myself, but I, I can see myself being friends with Dustin for sure. Dustin would definitely be like a best friend for me. His, his energy is exactly the type of person Dustin's that I, man. I just also the fact that Dustin has a sailor's mouth. Dustin curses so much. And if you don't know, I am the same way. I have a really, really bad habit of swearing. And I, I don't know. I just love I love hearing a kid just go off the way he does. He's like, shit, 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 shit. When he's running to get the uh, the tapes to uh, Max in episode four. I, this is mind you, these are teenagers. But just hearing hearing him swear all the time is really cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was you know like. Like would that would that not be you, right? That was and, me. Oh, a, that yeah. was a 15, he, 14 year old. That was me. You know, you know what's crazy is as much as as much as they haven't done anything with with Will's character, I have not resonated with any character from Stranger Things more than I did with Will in season three. The entire time he's like, "Can we just play D anD D?" Yeah, 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 bro. Same. Everybody's just like, like, same man. Everybody's like trying to go on dates and shit, and he's like, "Can we just fucking? Can we just play D anD D?" And I'm like, I feel that Will. So I wanted to I'm say sorry. though, I don't think I that is I don't think I think similar to Star Wars. Uh, Empire Strikes Back or Infinity War. I think that season four was the Empire Strikes Back or the Infinity War. I don't think 
season five is going to like. I don't think Will's going to die. I don't. I like. May, like, I'm sure a character will die, but I don't think any of the main four are going to die. Oh, I do. I I yeah. strongly think Will specifically will die only because I. So here's what I think. This is, and this is just completely hypothetical, and they've yeah. already subverted all of my expectations. Everything that I thought would happen did not happen the way I thought it would, and I mean, so. I'm already wrong on a lot of this. This is just pure speculation, but I love... That's the thing that I think is the yeah, best Yeah, that's about. what's fun. That's it, why we like, have this podcast. This, this is the fun part. Yes. Like, you watch the show, and then you're like, all right, that was... And you talk but, about what, what scenes meant, and then, like, what is going to happen next. Game of Thrones was good after season six because the wall came down, and we were like, holy shit, what's going to happen? You know, like, in the next... We, there was so much promise, right? There was a mm-hmm. ton of promise after season seven or whatever. Whatever season, the wall came down at the end. There was like, oh, my God, next season's going to be crazy. And you get to make all these theories. And the whole year or two years before that happened was great. It's the same thing with Stranger Things for me. My thoughts, my theory is that Will and Vecna are linked, but they haven't completely explored that yet. But they started to show signs of it, obviously, really hardcore at the end of this season four, part two, uh, when... The upside down came into reality, and he starts feeling on the back of his neck. He's like, "Dude, I felt so nostalgic when Will went to go touch the back of his neck. Like I felt nostalgia. Yeah, I was like, oh shit. And the part when when he was like, I wasn't sure, but now that I'm back in Hawkins, he's like, I feel it. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit. He's alive and he's angry, and he, you know, he's hurt. We did, we did hurt him, like for sure. It's not like we did nothing to him. We hurt him, but he is for sure still on the same exact energy and, and mission." Like he wants to take everything, and which honestly is kind of a callback to to it. I mean, I just recently uh, rewatched the the it uh, remake, and that's that's a callback to it. Yeah, because they did the same thing. They heard him, and then like they were like, "All right, we got to go like kill him now." But yeah, so I really like the fact that uh, Will started to get season one vibes again, and you know, season two and three stuff where he's touching on the back of his neck, but then. What I what I think is going to happen is like when Eleven goes to kill Vecna, I think that she's going to start hurting uh, Will. I think that some some for some weird reason, not really a weird reason, but for some Stranger Things reason, uh, Will and Vecna. If if Vecna actually dies, I think that it's going to start killing Will, and they're going to have a decision to make, and it's going to be a tough decision. And then it'll go from there. I think Will might do some kind of sacrificial thing where he's like, "It's okay, Eleven." Like. This is what I see for, you know, this is my emotional yeah. ending where I see Will being like, it's okay. I accept it already. Like, I knew this day would probably come. We've been linked forever or whatever. And and he has to die with Vecna or people think that Eleven will die. Uh, I mean, I don't really that for me, that doesn't really do it for me personally. I'm sure that there's great theories on why. I feel like that's too easy. I feel like that's too easy. Yeah. The I don't, only way Eleven dies, though, and they kind of make it, the only way Eleven dies is if she dies by overwork like if yeah. she died like a final Exhaustion. explosion yeah but she has to die because if 11 dies before the end and like they don't win like they, there's nothing they can do. <laughs> yes yeah. and also like, vecna already said he wants vecna's made it clear his motive this season is very clear uh he wants 11 to watch the end yeah he's a boy so it doesn't right. it doesn't make sense for her to die to <laughs> he's me. A voyeur. But he is <laughs> He really is, though. Not even joking. He's right. I'm a voyeur, and you're gonna be one too. He's he's definitely a voyeur. He blatantly so Nancy had an opportunity to be killed, and he let her go with the specific goal of having her tell Eleven what the end will look like. You know, I I kind of figured that's what it was when I first like at the end of the first volume, because like for it to be like they're about to get out, and then 
Nancy randomly gets chosen. I was like, that seems kind of like, yeah, that, like this, this seems, seems extremely pointed and not opportunistic. Yeah, like it it's like with everyone too. else, with everyone else that he chose, it was very like he he like seized an opportunity because of the trauma that they were going. So imagine through. if Nancy would have died. Let's explore that for a second. Imagine Nancy would have died at the end of volume uh, four. They would have been fucked. Or season four, volume one. Imagine if she would have died randomly. It would have been so weird from a writing standpoint if, if Vecna killed her at any point this season. It would have been like, what the fuck? Like, why? Yeah. Why did she die? Like, I didn't really get the build up to her. There was no build up for her specifically dying to me. Now, and go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, and I know like there there are people that I've talked to that have had like issues with like the situations and the circumstances that they're in. And they're like, none of this is realistic. And like, realistically they would have died here. They would have died here. They would have died here. And I'm like, yes, but this isn't reality. Yeah. It's a story. And people need to realize that when you're telling a story, there's a reason you're telling the story. If you start telling a story and then everyone dies in the middle, well then what the fuck was the point of that? Yeah. Right. Like, there's a reason I, that you're telling the story, so let the story be told. I, yeah, I don't know. I, shit like that, like, I don't it, It's really frustrating when people get really nitpicky on random things, because it's like, yeah, sure, like, if you're 13, like, you wouldn't be able to do it. But, once, yeah, like, that's why it's a story. Yeah, in reality, <laughs> all these kids would have been shot by Russians, by uh, yeah. secret Russian spies in a mall. Like, that's how, that's how Stranger Things ends in reality. But also, like... Right? Like... <laughs> oh, it also It also shows, like... It's another one of those 80s tropes in a way where it's like the adults are stupid. Yep. I mean, it's kind of, you know what I mean? But yep. like, yeah, it's one of those things where like all like Mike's dad is like the perfect 80s trope. Like he's just like <laughs> the dumbest parent ever. And he's just like sitting and he's like watching the news. I, but he's a he's an integral character to the show as little as he's there. He's very integral to like the theming of the show, yeah. and like the, the little spice that he adds to it. And then yeah, he has important show, context to it's like, a show about kids going on like it's a show about kids getting stuff done. That's what realistically most shows like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like most stories, look at fucking 99% of anime. It's always like a kid, you know, getting shit done, changing being like the change and everything. That's what the shows are. So being like, oh well, realistically you can't like bats fly at this speed and you oh, and, and Eddie on a bike uh, wouldn't be able to outrun bats and <laughs> Shut the fuck up. If a bat leaves point A going X miles per hour and a bat leaves point B. (laughs) Nah. I agree with that. Something else that's really cool to me is season four. The reason why it's so good for people who just can't quite grasp it, or maybe people who agree with why season four is good. To me, it's just because Vecna exists as a person. Yeah. And I touched on this in the first part he of this podcast. I think that the problem with Game of Thrones, and I, I'm going to keep going back to this because I, I really think the Duffer Brothers were inspired. Yeah, you, you, got a, you got a bone to pick with Game of Thrones. No, no, no. I, I feel like I do have a bone to pick with Game of Thrones always, but it's because I love the show so much. It's my favorite show ever. So for me, like I can't help but to notice the things that are obviously callbacks to 80s movies, but also like things that are inspired by George R. R. Martin's writing and, or I guess D&D's writing at this point, which was what I want to get into, The Night King. So, Stranger Things before season four, the Mind Flayer or whatever, the Demogorgon, the Demodogs, those were the villains, and I didn't really care for them. And the reason I didn't care for them is because they're not really people, they're not characters, they're just things. Things that are murderous, things that never speak, things that just want to kill, and I hate senseless killing like that's the reason why every show with zombies is terrible like walking dead with the shit all of those shows about zombies and things like that they there's no actual villain to root against oh or man for. we're gonna 
we're gonna have to disagree on the zombies thing. Walking Dead is awful. Don't be wrong. I it's do not like really, that show. Really bad. But zombies as like a motivator for like horror is great. I mean, I don't know. I just, but I, I just like sitting down and watching like a senseless zombie flick and being like, who's gonna fucking survive? No one because the zombie apocalypse, bitch. What? But story wise, <laughs> zombie stories tend to outside of the characters themselves, right? The drama. It's always the drama, right? The Walking Dead when it was good, which is the first two seasons. The reason why it was good was because of the drama of the characters, and not really because. Zombies showed up out of fucking literally. Yeah, well, that's why Walking Dead sucks because, like, it never, like, okay, right? There's like, there's a great way to do that. Believe it or not, I just saw Train to Busan uh, recently. Um, Also, a movie that made me cry at the end. That was really fucked up. But anyway, um, uh, that like was a very nice balance of we're gonna have like emotional, uh, we're gonna have like emotional pull for all the characters, but also it's about zombies. Like, and we're going to let it be about zombies. And that's what it was. It was about zombies until the end. And then they had that emotional pull and you but were like, show man. But survive on four seasons of zombies, I promise you. It just can't. And that's why it shouldn't have been a show. Yes, but, it know. cannot. So I want to get back to my point, though. So the Night King, right? The Night King was this big bad in Game of Thrones. And he was being built up for many seasons and everything, right? But the problem is, his end, he never spoke a line in the entire franchise. At any point, did the, the Night King ever say a word? And we never really got his motive. Like Bran said, he wants to end everything, end the world. But we never got to hear the Night King explain his origin story and like why he's actually doing what he's doing, the reason why he's so fucking murderous, how he, how they're making more of the the actual White Walkers. Like you know, I know they get the babies and everything. They put the hand on the forehead, but at the same time, it's like how do they become these old men? Because they're always old men on horses. Like there's so much that they never explored. And Stranger Things said, we're going to take the idea of a Night King, right? We're going to introduce him very late, but what we're going to do is we're going to give you a great explanation on how he came to be. And that makes him all the better to root for or root against if you're somebody who roots against villains. I I don't particularly root for Vecna, but I I can see how somebody would like that kind of character, that kind of villain. Yeah, I'm not rooting for Vecna to win, but I'm very happy he's there. And I'm I'm very happy happy that he's a point to focus on for everybody. Yeah. And he's a person. His name is Henry. At one point in in volume two, this, uh, the first episode, they kept calling him Henry. And I was laughing because I was like, there's no fucking way I'm calling that thing Henry. I'm just not calling that fucking thing that's walking down hallways with a clock sound and all these bloody portals and shit. I'm not calling that man Henry. I'm just not. <laughs> that's I'm his, never that's calling his that's the Bro, thing, though. Like, the I guess that's him drinking yeah. Starbucks is crazy. Like, that's his original name. That, <laughs> the pictures of him drinking. What I was talking about earlier on the internet, they have pictures of him in costume, but he's drinking Starbucks, and he's like, he's sitting on the bleachers for the prom scene, <laughs> and he looks so exhausted. He looks like he's been in a, a hard day. <laughs> I'm sure work that's killing kids. Heavy. Oh, I'm sure it's that's real heavy. heavy so. It's just funny though because he looks so exhausted drinking a like a half drink of star, uh, Starbucks, and he got his one hand on his knee. <laughs> he's like in a down position. <laughs> he looks so tired. Well, okay. To to your point, I will agree and disagree, right? Because there's okay. So there's like, uh, I guess in like supernatural stories, there you can always take like one of two routes, right? You can either like do the soft magic, right? You can take the soft magic approach, or you can take the hard magic approach. And the case of Stranger Things would definitely have to be the hard magic kind of approach because like the characters are trying to rationalize it. So like through the characters, you as the audience are trying to rationalize it. But you could also do like the the soft magic kind of approach where like things just kind of happen and you don't really have to explain it, but you have to make it plausible. And like in Game of Thrones case, it was all soft magic. 
how the fuck did those dragons come back? I don't know. She got in a fire with them and something about like a fire God. And like, you're like, yeah, that, okay. That makes like, that's kind of reasonable. Like I can, I can make that plausible in like my mind as, as an audience member. So like the problem with where game of Thrones went is that like, it stopped like with everything, it's stopped doing that. It stopped being good. So like where, where they had the, the Night King and the White Walkers, which were one of the more interesting parts of the show, they never really kind of like came to an end with that. And it was just kind of like they ended and you were like, yeah, that, what? That's the thing. Like they, they just didn't go anywhere with the story. Like it didn't feel like the storyline ever went anywhere. And it also ended in a very anticlimactic way. Like, yeah, yeah you're, both, a you're both saying times. exactly what I, yeah, you're both saying exactly no, what no. I said, like. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm agreeing. I'm yeah, the, agreeing with the you. Night King's issue was that he just wasn't a real character at all. He was just this thing that was supposed to be really big and scary for the all the real characters of the show, like the Aryas and everybody. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, now that he's gone, though, you realize the entire time, and honestly, even without him being killed, the real villain is Cersei. She's always been the villain since season one. She's literally in one of the first scenes of the whole show. And she is the main antagonist of Game of Thrones. She literally sits on the Iron Throne before Daenerys never gets to do it. And it's just like, yeah, there's, Cersei is someone to actually root against, or in my case, for, right? And she's a character with with uh, ambitions and goals. She has children that she wants to protect, although she fails at it, obviously. She has all these children she wants to protect. She's all about family and things like that. She has chances to kill her little brother. She never does it. Um, she, you know, despite the fact that she hates him, there's all these motivations, all these human traits that people watching can relate to. And the Night King is just like this murderous ice demon, which is a cool force to oppose dragons. But like, can you give him some death at all? Like, there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there's no yeah, death. Nothing. And Vecna, so I, I really wanted to get to this. Vecna, Eleven said, uh, Papa's dead. I know what he did to you. I know why you're like this. And he corrected her. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually, that has Papa is just a person. He's just a man. He's neither he's neither a monster nor genius. He said a mediocre man at best. Yes, at best. So he basically was saying to Eleven, who thought Eleven assumed that the reason why Henry was like that was because of Papa, because of Doctor Brenner. It had nothing to do with him. In fact, what's cool about when she says that. We watched in, in part one of this yeah, season. Yeah, we already know she's we, wrong. We know she's wrong when she says it, but she doesn't, obviously she doesn't know his real backstory. We know that when he was a little boy, he had already been mentally ill and wanted all humans to perish. He already had some very negative thoughts and he killed his own mom. He, well, his sister got killed too, right? Like yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he probably didn't even see it as killing them. He was just like, you know, I'm just, I'm culling or not yeah. even culling. He's the word exterminate is what he used. Exterminate. Yeah. He, so like a black widow. So he literally was like this before Dr. Brenner had ever even met him. And I think that was so awesome because we always try to rationalize, like you said, Anthony, people try to rationalize things, right? Um, Eleven tried to rationalize, well, I know what Papa did to me and I could easily see how somebody would snap from what he did to me. Cause she snapped. She snapped so bad that not only did she like turn her powers on him, but she dropped a helicopter out the sky and killed people blatantly. Like she blatantly killed human beings, which I was, by the way, very happy about. I was Honestly, so same. Yeah, I would have been more. I, I was so because first of all, what kind of fucking grown ass man is sniping a fourteen year old girl? Like he was trying to snipe her. I was like, this is insane. I couldn't even believe it when he first fired the first shot and it missed. I was like, holy shit! It's a sniper rifle. Like you, like Jesus Christ, dude. That part, I did laugh at that part. I thought that was so silly. 
like a fucking professional military <laughs> sniper. He missed like five shots on Brenner. I was like, he's moving in a straight line. He is moving. How do you miss so many fucking shots? With a kid, right? Wasn't he was like, yeah, he's, yeah, he was holding eleven, moving in a straight. Like he wasn't even zigzagging. Like yeah. this man missed so. I was like, what? How many shots is he going to miss? Is he a fucking stormtrooper? But I really, yeah, I just really protected really, by plot. I really like that 11 thought she had it figured out. She was like, I know that Papa did this to you, and I know that we can fix this. And he's like, you poor summer child. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what he probably thought when she said that? He probably was like, oh, Nancy didn't. She didn't fucking listen. She didn't listen to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's why I fucking told the her first to tell you. you. Don't send a Demogorgon to do a man's job. <laughs> he's like, you can't trust these hoes. He probably was probably so mad. See what happened? And she was like, that shit was crazy. We need to get out of here. Yo, it was so bad. <laughs> but yes, that was great writing to me. The fact that Eleven tried to rationalize why he's evil and why he wants to destroy everything, thinking that Papa traumatized him the whole time. He was originally born evil. This kid yeah, he's, was, like, he's just a another, psycho. Yes. That's it. I was going to say, that's another good point. to like Talk about the Night King, right? He, the motivations, they don't even necessarily need to be that deep, right? Like I could see people saying like, oh, like uh, Henry or One or Vecna, his motivations aren't like he's literally just a psychopath. But like people are like there are yes, literally just they psychopaths. So, exist. And they wrote it in a way where like even though he's just a serial killer or just a psychopath and happens to be one with psychic powers, they gave him enough human elements and enough story and and wrapped that up in enough of a bow where it really makes you engaged in the character and you can really get behind the motivations and it 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 helps drive the plot forward. In where, a very weird way. Yeah. In a very weird way, he's kind of like a lot of... I'm not going to give this uh, excuse for all of them, but a lot of the mass shooters who are severely mentally ill, Vecna, Henry, whatever you want to call him, is very similar to that mental illness where they were always a little off and people knew that about them. Like, when you hear the stories about the mass shooters, you always hear that, like, yeah, he was a bit of an outcast. He was quiet. He would have moments of rage. He would... Sometimes they blatantly say, one day I'm going to do this crazy-ass murderous thing and people don't take it seriously. Henry... It's just a fantasy version of those real life people. Like we can't yep. act like one thing I love about this podcast is that we don't really shy away from these types of topics. Like earlier we were talking about things that happen that are really dark and the same thing here with like mass shootings that happen in real life. These are real things. And I think art should always imitate life. Like it's, it's amazing when it does. So the fact that the stranger things, yeah, they gave us a disclaimer, but at the end of the day, Henry is like you said, a, he's a born psychopath. Those are real people that exist. We see them all the time now, especially with the internet and how much access we have to videos and things like that. It's just a very, unfortunately, very normal part of our of our lives now. So it's not absurd to think like, okay, this in a world where people can be born with powers, I guess, or have powers, one of them is fucking crazy and decides to go on mass murders. Like that's he's a mass killer. He's a, he's a murderous mass mass murderer. <laughs> that's just it, and it, and it's written in a way where it's not. He doesn't feel like a flat like he doesn't feel like a flat character you know what i mean like yeah. it, it has depth to it yeah, he's even sadistic. though even though he has what i think some people would argue flat motivations it in my opinion was written in a way that has a lot of depth which to their credit is uh pretty surprising to me given what i got from season two and three i do really do got to give them a lot of credit i, I think season four was written yeah. Like, yeah they were they turned they turned it around even back really when he explains because i want to get into uh just a little bit more you know, like people might be able to maybe slightly, and I'm going to kind of go against it, but 
maybe make an argument that his motivations are a little flat, but I don't think so. Only because I remember him saying, like, I've seen humans commit atrocities, Eleven. Crazy atrocities that are terrible for this planet, terrible for this world. And they reference his father in that moment when he's talking. And you see how his dad had an airstrike on an infirmary, like a like a daycare of some sort, something with children. Right. And he it's because he got the fucking location wrong. But basically, a bunch of children died because his father called it an airstrike on the wrong place or some, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I think his father was the one that got the order, but, but same thing. Right. Somebody called an airstrike on children. And yeah. whether they knew it was children or not, children died because of an airstrike that human beings in war, and you know, wars are almost never justifiable for the most part. Like, it's always some bullshit going on, some crazy political nonsense. But he's seeing, and that's only one example, because we know other atrocities that have happened in, in real life, right? Like, he references, Henry references all of the things that he's learned about human history and why we're scum of the earth. It's the same reason why Ultron, like in Marvel movie, in the Marvel movies, Age of Ultron, he goes on the internet for five minutes and he's like, yo, humans gotta go. Like he spends, he literally Googles for five minutes and he's like, oh yeah, like you things, you fucking people have to go. Like y'all have to go. So it's the same, Vecna's the same way. He's like, yeah, I've, I've studied history. I've seen what you guys do and I don't, relate to you guys i think that this is like you guys need to go like you need to be exterminated so but i mean that's what that's what that's what makes him not a flat character is that exactly he tries to like he tries to present himself as i guess like um unemotional or a emotional or whatever and like almost like inhuman uh but it is in fact like his human experience that has painted his perspective to be that way. So it makes him delusional, which does make an interesting character. A delusional character that thinks that they're doing the right thing is an interesting character. It is his humanity that makes him want to eliminate humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think about, we talked only uh, briefly about it, but Papa was killed, which I think needed to happen at some point to just kind of wrap his arc up. But and in, in the last moments with Eleven, in volume one, so before we get to these last two episodes, I thought there was a part of me, and maybe I was fooled, I thought that Papa was kind of turning a new leaf with Eleven before we got to see where it went. And the reason, <laughs> I didn't. The reason, being, the reason being is because when he first came back to her, you know, he was like, oh, I know you lost your powers, I can help you get them back, and I know, you, like, she needed to save her friends, right? So in that in that moment, I was like, oh shit, like he's helping. And they were going through all of these trials and stuff like that, showing her what really happened, which was great for the story. Obviously, us seeing that she never actually killed those kids. It was it was one the whole time and that whole bit, right? We get that backstory. But the thing that I was just kind of surprised about is that at the end of it all, in the first episode of volume two, he obviously goes back to being the cruel yeah. Dr. Brenner that we he's all know. He's still a manipulator. And he stabbed like- her in the fucking neck to sedate her, which I was like, yo, this guy is trash. So when she got mad, when she like fully lost and got mad, I was very happy because I understand the whole thing. Like you give somebody a chance, you think that they kind of changed or whatever. And she's like, yo, you're terrible. Like you're a fucking terrible person. And granted, yes, we we knew he was a terrible person already, but I just, there was a part of me. There was just a part of me. There was just a part of me that thought for a second that he actually wanted to help her help Hawkins and help her friends. There was a legitimate part of me that thought that he didn't want her to just be a fucking lab rat. And the moment that dude became irredeemable is when you kind of saw in her mother's memories and he fucking fried her brain. I was like, oh, he's a bad person because (laughs) that's something that bad people do. He's he's one of those manipulative, just assholes. He's good at it. He's very good at it. 
he it, it becomes pretty clear uh, in these last two episodes, like he does not give a shit about Hawkins, uh, even though it's not ever specifically said. His plan was to like train her up, hyperbolic time chamber her. He fu- is fully aware that Hawkins is probably <laughs> going to get destroyed, and he wants to build her up so that she's ready to fight Vecna. But in the meantime, like Hawkins is going to be destroyed. Yeah. He's he's getting her ready for like the next fight. Yeah. Um. Something I loved was that they they, they didn't redeem him in the end. No, At the didn't. end, when he he basically begs for like her acknowledgement or like her understanding, like it's he her be- forgiveness he, in a way too. Right? Yeah. He's dying and like is like pleading for her to like acknowledge, give him forgiveness, and she just says like bye. You know what I mean? Like she, she gives him <laughs> the respect of just saying bye. I guess you were my father figure for a period of time, but like she does not um, uh, validate him or console him. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's just like, and walks away. And they also should do a little zoom in shot of the, uh, the shot collar that she put that he put around Eleven's neck, just to kind of show again, as she's leaving that whole thing behind, like that's done. No more shackles on me. And including the idea of no more shackles. So normally she needs a, um, what do they call that? That tank. That like sens- that, yeah, sensory deprivation tank. She usually needs that type of thing to do her uh, mind piggyback powers. But I noticed that when she did it to Max at the end, she just grabbed Max's finger and like went into Max's mind. Granted, Max wasn't there, uh, which is something to be explored next season. But it was interesting to see that Eleven's powers have grown tremendously. Uh, not only being able to lift that ten thousand ton Nina. But also just the fact that she can now do things that she normally needed all of these extra peripherals to do. They had to put her in a salt bath and a pizza shop and all that stuff. And now she just can straight up do that exact same thing by touching someone. So she's growing in power. Obviously, Vecna is too. And it's great to see that kind of development where her power is. I'm always geeked about power scaling and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see that like, yeah, she gets through her training with uh, Dr. Brenner, Papa. He dies. She does not forgive him. She just walks away from that situation altogether. Like, fuck this. I tried with this guy. And all it got me was hurt again. Like, you're dead. You're in my past. And it was just really good. Really, really good stuff there. But on a note about power scaling, and it's something that I do really like uh, that Stranger Things just kind of does almost always, is like, these kids are always up against insurmountable odds. Because, like, if it's just, like, one-to-one, if it's, like, a death battle, Henry kills Eleven. Like, yeah. Yeah, like she's, she's dead. Yeah, really. Yeah, but, realistically, it's bad. But, like, what I really enjoy, because, like, you know, when you look at it, you're like, what the fuck does Eleven need these other schmoes for? They don't have powers. They can't do anything. They're not, like, really useful in any way. But especially in this season, they really do show how, like, the power of a moment really matters and and really can, like, take something that is an insurmountable odd and turn it in your favor. Because, like, if Eddie hadn't done what he did, then it wouldn't have given them enough time for Mike to to give Eleven the speech that she needed to hear in order to give her the power to actually like fight back against him when also, he was about to kill Max. Like Nancy, all that shit matters. Nancy and Jonathan, uh, or is it Nancy? One Nancy and Steve or Jonathan, I forget who, but they arrive at that mansion and they physically see Vecna and they throw a Molotov cocktail at him. And then shoot him with a shotgun a couple times out the window, which obviously also helps Eleven tremendously because, you know, now his physical body in the upside down is actually being affected. So that, you know, he's in the mind world when he's fighting Eleven and that red dimension that he creates, but then he gets burned and shot up. So it's really cool that like, and then the Demogorgon gets sliced by a cool ass sword 
Uh, Holy, that was just a D&D sword. I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, blatantly. this is actually you know, at first, Got it. I forgot for a second. When I first saw that sword, I was like, where the fuck did that sword come from? That's so random. And then I had to remember, like, oh, yeah, that's right. They fucked. This was like a literally a battle arena where they tell them to pick weapons. Yeah. And- yeah. Apparently yeah, that yeah, sword yeah. was used in a movie like Conan the Barbarian or something like that. It's actually a Ooh, that sword. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say on, real quick on what Ant was saying, though, about the, the importance of a moment. I That's another thing I heard people complaining about, like there being inspirational speeches and things like that. And that's something people complain about a lot, like in TV shows or whatever, inspirational speeches and like the, those moments that really get people going, push them through the final thing. But Man, I, I always people, think those people that complain about it, I'm just like, you must not have friends. That's a not weird that, hole to die on, I, too. What I think people don't realize is how ordinary most of our lives are that we don't need those things but something yeah. you gotta remember in wars they used to have there are people that go on the battlefield that was play the drums or hold a flag yeah there when we used to go to war before it was drone strikes there was literally people that went on with no guns they had a flag or drums or whatever to build inspiration to rally people to like to you know what yeah. i mean so like that is real like that's actually something that like th- those rallying moments, those inspirational speeches, like that actually gets people going. That's something that happens in real life. It's just that most of us are privileged enough to live just normal, boring lives. Yeah, where we don't just need have, to be in situations to get an inspirational speech, or just have boring enough lives that like you just don't like, like it's just not applicable to you. Because like think, yeah. like think about how many times like you know a doctor will remember okay hippocratic oath hippocratic oath like they like yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Like, that's a pillar that you have to you know like people taking oaths just in general there's a reason why they take those oaths because that is the thing that they have to that's the thing that they have to bind themselves to when shit gets tough i, I that- it's it's a terrible movie it's not a good movie but I do think that the moment in Green Lantern when he's like getting his shit kicked in and and Ryan Reynolds starts saying and Ryan Reynolds starts like saying the Green Lantern's oath. I'm like, right. That's the point of it is like to remember that like in in blackest in in blackest day, like that's you have to remember like that is why you took that oath in the first place because it helps uh, you like (laughs) I wanted to say I think that uh inspirational speeches are are actually a part of normal human life but we probably don't really see them as grand as they show up in film but for example there's always times especially when the nfl is airing where i just hear people yelling out e-a-g-l-e-s eagles yeah yeah yeah. and they're going hard you see like the players come out on the field and they're beating their chest and there's loud music playing and there's fireworks going up and there's people literally cheerleaders literally doing cheers and going crazy humans naturally get inspirational speeches all the fucking time at graduation yep. you get a valedictorian speech which is all about inspiration they tell them to write it for inspiration and then in general like that's what presidents are supposed to do as well obviously we have a problem with that in these last couple of years but these types of things are actually perfectly normal for people to I agree. hate them in film is weird because i just it's think a, it's, it's a it's like normal. you said it's a weird hill to die on but there's people that just I know what you mean. They don't like hill. any. There's people who just don't like any kind of talking and character development. They want to see Eleven and Vecna go at it for six episodes straight the entire time <laughs> with psychic powers. They don't want to see any of Henry's childhood. They don't want to see any of Henry fucking snapping and his motivations. They don't want to see why Eleven didn't actually decide to become a murderous little girl. They just want to see them psychic power fly up in the air almost a mob psycho one hundred shit and have at it. And yeah. it is weird. It's it like is very weird. Like when people don't like uh, 
Whenever the plot happens in Attack on Titan, it's like you guys. They're like, yeah, today's episode was, was whatever. Like, not enough eating of people. I want to see people dying. I'm like, That's okay, it. the flesh Gundams are cool, but like the main the story. The flesh Gundams. Oh god, that is what they are. The main <laughs> the main story <laughs> is the drama between the humans. Like the flesh Gundams are just an extra part. So yeah, I don't know. It's a weird hill to die on, but uh, we never care about really what the people who just don't like plot thing because at the end of the day again i'm convinced i'm convinced those people just don't have friends you know whenever whenever like i i like see anything in a video game or tv show or a movie and someone's like i want to like protect my friends like in kingdom hearts when like when kid riku was like i just want the power to protect things that matter like my friends i was like same kid yeah 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 uh i guess we're we're nearing the wrap i mean it's only two episodes of content we we covered a lot of things the other thing that i wanted to cover was uh so we only briefly talked about this but the russia arc just for me the the worst part of the entire volume like the whole russia storyline is like i get it i understand why it exists uh it it could totally be rewritten where it is just not a part of it and they could do different with those characters with winona Ryder and hopper with Joyce and Hopper, they can completely do something different with them. But we have to deal with the fact they're in Russia. I did not like at the beginning of Volume 2, they decide to go back into the prison. And I actually understand why there was a break between these two episodes. Because if you think about watching this volume or this season straight through, imagine somebody watching episode 1 to episode 10 or whatever it is, straight through. They escape the prison. Everything's great. They get through it. And then the very next episode, for somebody who didn't have a month break in between, which honestly felt a lot longer, but a month break in between, they go right back into it. And even the characters say, this is a fucking terrible idea. But then they go back. Everyone's dead. They come into a room with, with like Demogorgons and test tubes, like in the movie Alien. And in a, in a weird way, they do nothing about it. Like, I would have set that fucking room ablaze. There's no, just like in a movie Alien, actually, when they come across the test tubes of aliens in the movie Alien, they blatantly, which Winona Ryder is actually in the scene and in that movie, I would have set that entire room on fire. Like, fuck this. Like, there's no world where you let those things just, because everyone, everyone's dead. All the humans. Wait, in aliens? Yeah, the movie. Aliens, not alien. What do you mean? In the, aliens, not the, alien. <laughs> oh, is the movie called Aliens? Because the first one's oh, alien yeah. and the second one's first, aliens. Yeah. Okay. Well, plural singular. Sorry, that was confusing. <laughs> okay, in the mo- in the movie though, where you know they come into a room and there's just like a bunch of test tube aliens, they burn that shit down. And I was like, well, oh, wait, I was I was asking because I was asking if it was if it was the second one or the oh, first I'm not, one. Cause... I'm not sure which one it was. Honestly, oh, because I was sure. like, the first one took place on the ship. I'm not burning anything on a spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have you have to deal with. They're in a Russian prison that's abandoned at this point and slaughtered. And I'm like, you have to kill every one of these creatures. These creatures are terribly dangerous. Like I would just, and then later on, of course, those creatures get loose, and that's a plot for that's a plot for Stranger Things. Like, oh, the creatures are loose now. The same creatures you saw 20 minutes ago are now killing everybody else. That's alright. It's just that whole thing was annoying. And then the Demogorgon was still alive, of course, because he wrecked shop. And I kept thinking to myself, this thing can jump, and we've seen him jump. So when they're on the top area of the I, I know someone else had to think this when they were just walking casually on the top of the uh, the battleground, the battle part of the yeah, prison, yeah, yeah. and the Demogorgon's at the bottom. I was like, "This is not safe." It's just it's not. He's it's mean. I actually <laughs> forgot. It's one of those things where I wonder if they thought because I forgot that 
that was all electrified and they yeah. deactivated the electricity. Yes, they completely did. Because when I saw it, at, when I saw it again, I was like, this is the dumbest setup they could ever have. <laughs> But then one of the characters literally said, like, make sure you turn the electricity back on. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, it's like electrified. So if he tried to jump up, I guess, you know, it would knock him down or whatever. But it just was yeah. not. I, I don't I just don't trust an electric fence to be enough to stop <laughs> the thing, because I don't know if y'all saw what I saw. But in part one of season four, when he started killing the humans, he jumped <laughs> over the entire crowd of them with their weapons and just chose one out of randomness and killed yep. him. He chose a random human being out of the crowd. I want you. <laughs> yes, and that shit scared, that that freaked me out. Because one of the things I do with shows a lot, and I need to stop doing this, I do it with so much with horror genre stuff too. I put myself in the situation. I don't know why, because I give myself yeah, terrible, bad move. terrible anxiety when I do this. I give myself <laughs> terrible, terrible sleepless nights. But I literally imagine me and like my friends in a crowd standing around with our weapons and you see this thing come out and I'm literally pissing myself and it decides to jump and just eat somebody. It just jumped over everybody and chose a random arbitrary. It was so random. You know, Frazier, I like start to do that same thing. <laughs> and then like when I start doing it, I stop doing it and I'm like, right, I would just die. Like if I were in like a dark tunnel and there was like a killer clown after me, I'd be like, just kill me, dude. Like, in the hospital part where you said, nope, nope, nope. No. Like, that's, I just, like, like, I'm just like, uh, in reality, I'd probably fight for my life. Like probably in the moment I'd fight for my life. But, but like thinking about it, I'm like either I am going to just like jump through a window from like the fourth story or I don't know. I just relinquish myself to the creature and it's over. Yeah. You it's know? Like, okay, like, do, it, do what you're going to do. Do whatever. Like pain do. really only sucks when you have time to reflect on it. Yep. If it's all in the moment, then whatever. Yeah. But he eats like, a human's head off and that was how it started. And I just thought there's no world where I'm walking around in an open space. Electrify fence or not. I'm just not doing that. So that was. That was random, but then Hopper picks up a sword and gives it a fucking clean slice, and that shit looked. Amazing. I was so happy that they killed it because seemingly that thing was indestructible. Uh, they even shot it in the mouth, and it was like I was like, screamed. "That's like your face, right?" It just screamed. Yeah, they lit him on fire. They shot him like he was. I was, he was like, "Damn, one. this thing really just can't die." They, like from season they, one, it just can't die. I think they chucked the spear in its mouth too at one. Point. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, though, gave me a lot of inspiration for D and I'm like, oh, let me hope that you guys don't ever come across one of these things ever again. Yeah, it's a very hard <laughs> monster to kill, apparently, and that that kind of does actually help, though. I, I thought like it is annoying that the thing was so durable, but it also was like this is a real ass villain. This this thing, yeah, is the real deal. It just would not go down. But then he finally sliced it with that sword. Very D and D esque. Very night class, right? That's what Hopper probably presents is represents the the night class or something along those lines. And I thought that was really cool because uh, that sword was huge. I'm so interested in. I'm I am very interested in what they're going to do. This is the first time since season one where I'm legitimately like I can't wait to see what they do in season in the next season. See, same because <laughs> with season four is ending and like the gates connecting and like the fucking ashy snow. Oh, that to was so down. cool, man. Dude, and then when they yeah. saw, like, when they went up to the edge, and like you see all the green flowers and everything, and then like the part dead, of it is wilted and grayed oh, out. Dude, they did such a good Again, job making you the money, <sighs> the fucking yeah. money. It had the. I, I, I did think that like that many colorful flowers in a random in a random field was a little overdone, but I got what they were going for. I was like, I was like, this just many variants of wildflowers don't just 
grow in a field just in the middle of indiana they <laughs> like, needed but... listen anthony you know what it was they needed a very nice contest yeah yeah they they were, like, we, the audience has to know that this is alive and this is very obviously not yes <laughs> i thought it was very well done i like the spores coming down also like the in the distance the volcanic looking shit going on and then when they showed another cool thing we didn't really talk about this but the mind flayer didn't have a physical form really until vecna shaped it like they showed him yeah, yeah 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 Okay, and see, this is why I always like season two, because the introduction of the Mind Flayer, I thought was interesting, because just like for lore reasons, I was like, what are you? Because like, they call it the Mind Flayer, and you know, Mind Flayers in D&D are like a race of like sentient hive mind things that want to eat your brains and take over like dimensions, right? Okay. So like for them to trans... So for them to translate it into like this like shapeless formless kind of being that essentially wants to do the same thing. I was like, well, yeah, these, this obviously isn't like a mind flayer, like as D and D sees it, but it is very similar. So I want to see like what, like, I want to, I want them to explore like what its origins are or not particularly as origins, but just like explore just it explore. more. Yeah. 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 yeah I want them to explore and it more and be like, what are you yeah. exactly? And when Vecna gets to the upside down from her sending him there, He's wandering around. He sees a little baby Demogorgon just kind of crawling on a mountain or whatever. And then he looks in the distance and the Mind Flayer is just chaotically in the air, swarming around aimlessly. Like, I don't have anything to do here. I already destroyed everything here. <laughs> I don't have anything to do here. Like, the, the, the area bored. was destroyed. It was fucking... It was, it was another interesting thing. They have to explore this next season, but they're... The upside down didn't exist the way it does right now. So right. So I, now my question is, what is that place? Yeah. So it's really cool that when he's when he gets there, the mind flares in the air and he puts his hand out and he forms it into a spider. And I think that that is so fucking cool that he gave it shape. It's like there's this bond between the two. I, I really like yeah. that. I like that it becomes like spider like like. So I've been like trying to figure out in my head, like. Has this always been the plan? Is this what the writers always meant for it to be? Or are they just really, really, really good at taking what they've got and making it, like, coalescing it into I, something that comes full that circle? Too. I do wonder that, because, too. Because once, once they realized, like, that the Mind Flayer was a spider, I was like, oh. But you can't be like, oh, they retconned that, because that's what the Mind Flayers always looked yeah, like. Yeah, always so I'm just like, so I'm like, so who was clever enough to be like, well, this... The, the main villain gets his motivation for being a psycho from watching spiders. Right. We can make it so that the mind flayer was always a spider because he had always kind of looked like a spider. Because whoever the fuck that person is, yeah. they need a fucking raise. Because yeah, that is, well that's clever. That's really think, clever. I think when they made season one, I don't even think they had really season two thought out. I think probably going into season two and three, they probably started, but I, I don't think that what happened in season four, it was probably one of those like misty ideas in their head. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think all of this was really, because I think if, if this was more thoughtfully planned from the start, season two and three would have been better. I agree. Right, I mean? right. But that's, yeah, it, think, it feels, it feels think, like they just brought it back full circle. I think it was maybe an idea that existed in some people's heads. And in season four, they did a great job. Whoever was on the writing team. Like you just said, bringing it full circle. Yeah, whoever decided to go back to season one, the the murder of all the children, and make that Vecna's doing, and make that whole like back and forth jump, time jump between one and four, whoever did that is brilliant. That is some Oda shit. 
I love that entire thing where you like the call, the crazy callback where you see something from a perspective in season one, right? We watch season one and you get it from the perspective of 11. What have you done? And then you go to season four and he's asking that question because you've sent my best subject to some new dimension or you killed them because he might not know what happened to him. But 11, what have you done? We thought, oh, she killed a bunch of people. He's asking a question because of that. That's not why he was asking. And when you see it in season four, it's like, oh, shit, he was mad because his favorite lab rat is gone now. Eleven, what have you done? So it's I don't think that they thought that in season one. That, I don't even think Vecna nah, existed in season one. I don't I think agree, Vecna yeah. was a right, character right. in season one at all. I, yeah, we're he all wasn't. in agreement but there. now. But now he is, which is so. And whoever was the, on the writing team for season four did a great yes. job at bringing that together yeah yeah because let me tell you like trying to trying to take the pieces you've already got and forcing them to fit together is already hard (laughs) enough but like making them fit together and make it seem like that's what it was always supposed to be and like yeah like cleverly trick the audience into that that is it is not an easy thing to do this makes me excited to re-watch so like we've said this many times every time a new season of game of thrones came out i had re-watched every season of game of thrones prior yep um i i don't think i'll be able to but i want to try to rewatch all of game of thrones before house of the dragon comes out i probably won't be able to but yeah realistically because it comes Man, out I, re- I rewatched it yeah. i rewatched it recently and but yeah it's, I, it's good until season five what i want to say is is um for although i've re-seen i've i've watched season one more than once it's kind of just like i did it randomly like if i watched it with different people yeah the point that i'm getting to is that Every season of Stranger Things, I didn't go like, I'm going to rewatch Stranger Things. Not even before season four. I didn't like rewatch seasons one, two, and three. But now, before season five, I will 1 million percent rewatch all of Stranger Things. Because I'm excited to see season one, two, and three again, even though I didn't really like two and three. I'm excited to see them again in the context of seeing season four. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's just going to make it. Hopefully, it won't seem like a, a ass pull. When, when you think about season four compared to season one, because I don't know how well it's actually linked in season four. It seemed brilliant, right? Like when they, yeah, when, yeah, they yeah. when they give it to us in season four, it seems brilliant. But going back, it might be like, oh, God, there's no way that this actually was thought about beforehand. Whereas with Game of Thrones and even One Piece, with Game of Thrones, Martin had already finished five books before they even did one episode of Game of Thrones. Right. So like, yep, yep. yeah, all of the things that are being uh, alluded to later down the line when people talk about certain things. Like Ned Stark knowing that he basically saying he's going to get beheaded is the season one starts off with him getting uh, beheading somebody, right? He beheads somebody. He says that you should always be the one to pass down the judgment. You should be the one to swing the sword. And when he gets beheaded, it's not Joffrey, but Joffrey's the one who passes it down. It's kind of like a little that was planned, though. Like the writers knew Ned is going to die that way. And it's not an ass pull. when it's like, oh, shit, he died. And he was the guy that said that the person who gives the sentence should swing the sword. And when you and when you look at that, it it that. Even when you ignore all of the other actions Ned and Joffrey did, those two moments really show you the difference of character yes. between Ned and Joffrey. Yes. yes, exactly. So it's really cool to see, like in the terms of Game of Thrones, the story was already written for the writers. They didn't have to do anything up until five, where Jon Snow died. Then it's like, that's the last thing that happened in the books. They just went on their own, season six, seven, and eight, and we know how it ended. But uh, yeah, I, I want to rewatch Stranger Things as well. And I, I'm hoping that when I do, I enjoy seasons two and three more. That's my hope. Season one, I already know I'm yeah, going to yeah. enjoy. I know I'm going to enjoy season one because I remember enjoying it the first time. Seasons two and three are where I'm a little skeptical. And honestly, if it goes south for me, if I feel like I'm just on my phone too much, 
or like i'd rather just be playing monster hunter i'll just turn it off like i'll just be like yeah. okay i actually saw this already <laughs> it still doesn't slap i'm just gonna go play monster hunter yeah. or, or do something I, else. i'm oddly excited to see them i, I don't think no matter how much context, I don't think I'll ever be like, these are cinematic masterpieces. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. think I think I will enjoy them and have a lot of fun watching them. Yeah, you can only even if you deep fry a shit sandwich, it's still a shit sandwich. Yeah, right? like, yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can yeah. deep fry, you can put it in pancake batter and deep fry it and everything, but like it, at the end of the day, in the inside <laughs> of it, it's, it's still a shit sandwich. You know what I'm saying? So uh okay. Damn, so Fraser thinks that seasons two and three are shit sandwiches. I, I don't, but I, I like to use extreme <laughs> examples to prove my point. And so yeah, I use a very extreme example. But yeah, I think I think that this was a very, very this was my favorite season of all of them, honestly. Like when I really look at it, because it's the season with the most development, it's the season with callbacks and memories that are, are contingent upon the previous seasons. While season one is amazing, I think season four. I love Vecna as a character. I love what he represents. I love the device of Vecna, like him being in a, yeah. in a... I just think that he makes the show finally something before where Stranger Things was just like, okay, girl with superpowers, demons from a different portal, but no real reason why it's happening was was good for what it was. But now having a person behind all of this is so much better for me. Yeah, definitely. And it coalesced everything. It did. Like, yeah, that, that word is... I couldn't pick a better one. So yeah, it coalesced everything. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really pleased with where this is going. I think season five is going to be amazing, especially because they're taking time off to get everything in order. And, I, you know, it didn't work for Game of Thrones, but I think that because there was no book to go off of for Stranger Things anyway, it'll it'll work out better. For them. Yeah, I think they, they have their ducks in a row now. Like with, with season four, they know, whereas like before we were saying whether or not things were planned. I think going from season one to season two to season, I don't think they necessarily had a roadmap. Yeah. I, right. But I think they have a roadmap now. The so other thing, I, I have faith for season five. The other thing with Game of Thrones is that I just remember D and D were rushed to finish because they thought that they were going to do some star Wars trilogy and yeah. that fell through, but they like literally rushed Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones is, is actually it. one of the Man, saddest. That, that annoys me so much. Like, it being bad is already annoying, yes. right? Like the ending already being bad is already annoying. But then learning that they rushed one of the biggest shows of in television time. history easily to go and work on Star Wars, which has <laughs> sucked since the original trilogy, <laughs> and not even work on it anyway. Oh. It's like it anyway. so annoying. It's so okay. annoying. Like, I'm just like, really? To work on fucking Star... Like, I'm just like, th that really is like a case of like, your your eyes being bigger than your stomach. I'm like, you guys are already working on a thing that's bigger than it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's actually wild that that is what happened. And it really sucks because I am one of those people who I would be totally down. And honestly, a lot of the actors have said the same thing. They'd be totally down for a complete rewrite of the last two seasons after George eventually finishes the book or if he never does and dies instead then somebody with actual writing sense just makes a much better ending that is not rushed because you can just tell season seven and eight are paced so poorly whereas stranger things Dude. they're not rushing anything like this is the natural flow of this show right like we yeah, watched the pacing characters always felt good the, the pacing, pacing feels perfectly fine i don't feel like they're fast traveling everywhere like they still for example when they oh dude yeah go ahead you're about to say it no go ahead i'll let you i'll let you say it this is perfect i, I was gonna say like i love that when like there was real stakes and real like time and distance to getting the places like yes they were like they needed to get back to hawkins and it's just like it wasn't realistic and 
they go through all these different things, and luckily Ella has magic powers to like subvert it. But they don't ever get the like they don't get the. It takes them two more days. Yeah. To get the Hawkins. Imagine like, if it was Game of Thrones. They would have just been at Hawkins. <laughs> just just as needed. <laughs> they would yeah, have yeah, just, yeah. You know what would have really happened? Yeah. They would have completely came home and then completely went back to Russia to go to the prison. <laughs> In Game of Thrones, that's what would have happened. It would have been like, what the fuck? How much time is passing while Beckman's out here slaughtering kids? Like, how much time do you have to go back to Russia? Oh. I was going to say, you just said, Vec- I was going to say, you mentioned the thing with Nancy earlier, like, oh, Vecna, I told, this is why I told Nancy to tell Elle. Yeah. In God. Nancy's defense, he didn't give that bitch any time, okay? He was like, go tell Eleven on the other side <laughs> of the planet about my plan. By the way, 10 minutes from now, I'm destroying the planet. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he did wild you gave out. me no time. And you're he like, did. you're being a reason. Figure it out. Figure it out. He did wild the fuck out. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ah, good show is good show. All right, I want to give a shout out to everyone on our Patreon. I'm their podcast Patreon. Check it out, guys, if you want to join our Discord server or if you just want to support the podcast, unlock exclusive episodes that only air on Patreon. You can only watch those episodes or listen to them on our Patreon. Check that out. Uh, Again, I'm their podcast Patreon. So we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Andre Reynolds, CJ, Dub K Dad One, Dennis Milburn, Joseph Marcello, Red Vines, First to Home, Davis Fernares, S. Akuma, Mitchell, Niles, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, KJ, Biz, Roz Weiss, Nick Stango, and Scott Polera. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. As I always say, it goes a long way. And uh, yeah, that wraps up our episode on Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 2. As I always say, do the things that make you happy. And one of those things is enjoying this amazing show.
Thank you.